welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and today's guest is Margie Worrell, author of the new book, You've Got This, The Life-Changing Power of Trusting Yourself. It's a handbook for learning to thrive in today's pressure-laden and uncertain world. And it's gotten maybe one of the best uh, sort of uh, plugs I've ever heard for a book from fellow author Jim Kuzis, who says, it's like a high five to the human spirit. And if that doesn't get you motivated, I, I don't know what will, but we've got plenty to chat about in this episode, including why having a little self-doubt isn't the worst thing in the world, small things you can do to improve any situation where you're feeling hopeless, and of course, as we're both travel jet setters, although Margie is a lot more, uh, has seen a lot more places than I have for sure. She shares some of her favorite destinations and things you have to do while you're there. Let's dive on in. The, the phrase you've got this is one over the last, you know, 20 years or so. I've, I've lived around the world and I've juggled raising four kids and pursuing my work, you know, empowering other people. And lots of times when I've had moments of doubts, people have said to me, Margie, you've got this. My husband has been probably chief among those people. And then in the last few years, I've dealt with a ton of disruption and uncertainty. We've had some unexpected moves and some challenges. And I really just particularly enjoyed people saying and, and value people saying, you've got this. And so I guess you could say that it's the book that I wanted to read. It's the book that I wanted to pick up and read when those moments where I'm like, have I got this? Is it all going to be okay? I mean, do I really have what it takes? And so that's how it came into being. And, and because of the work I do with other people, I know so often I meet people and they want to hear those words, you know, that are ne not necessarily explicitly those words, but you know, that, it, that sentiment of you've got this, you've got the ability to, to, to do what you want to do and to cope with whatever challenges are coming your way. Absolutely. And I think that's a, a good way to go about writing a book is what would I want to read? And then as you're chatting with people and learn that they have a lot of similar interests and uh, desire to read the same kind of things, I, th I think that's a good avenue to take. Yeah. You know what, Joey, I have, uh, I, I didn't grow up saying I want to be a writer or I want to write books. Um, in fact, that actually never occurred to me, to be honest with you. I grew up in rural <laughs> Australia. I went to a school, my elementary school, I was the only kid in my grade. It had like 15 kids in the whole school. I, 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 I was never someone who said, Oh yes, you know, I'm called to be a writer in the world. However, I do feel a really strong calling around helping people rise above the fears and doubts that get in their way. And so writing books is a way, is one of the ways that I feel called to, to share my insights and message in the world. And, uh, and so hence, that's also kind of how it came into being. Absolutely. And I think that's a great sort of mindset of having, of wanting to help other people. And is there something that a person can do. I'm thinking again, you know, coronavirus is kind of dominating the headlines, hearing people panic about it. Situations might seem hopeless to some people or, you know, down in the dumps for others. But if you can shift your mindset a little bit, maybe it won't seem so hopeless. So what's a small thing that someone can do right now to improve any kind of situation where it does feel hopeless or, or kind yeah. of a downer? Yeah, no, it's interesting to your point on coronavirus or COVID-19. Um, 
right now, it's interesting when I wrote this book, I mean, of course I had no idea I'd be launching this book in the middle of <laughs> what has been one of the most seismic events in recent yeah. history so, yeah, for people around the globe. And so it's, 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 it's almost perfect timing. I mean, it's bad timing in that so many events, I was speaking at events around the world and uh, I'm supposed to be talk, doing a whole book tour around the US in April. And right now there's like huge question marks hanging on a lot of events. So maybe I'll do a take two. However, the number one thing is it's what I'm doing myself right now as all these events are being cancelled is, is just focusing on what's inside my control and focusing on what helps me feel stronger mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I would say that to anyone right now who's finding themselves feeling anxious and ungrounded and, and it's with a lot of uncertainty is what's inside your control right now. And I think when we do those things, more of those things, like really double down on whatever it is that helps you feel better in yourself. So maybe that's doing a meditation. Maybe that's getting out and going for a walk in nature or going for a run. Maybe that's um, reading something that's uplifting, listening to podcasts that are uplifting, hopefully this one. Um, so, so, so I think that's a super important thing. And watch, and I mean, just to kind of add something else in there, just exit out of conversations and forums that dial up your anxiety is sitting there watching cable news all day leaves you feeling tight in the chest turn the television off i mean it's not going to change the what's going on out there but it's actually going to help change you and it makes me think of victor frankel's advice that you know when you can't change your circumstances around you 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 we have to change ourselves and so to anyone that's kind of feeling anxious like look at what it is that you can do that will help you bring your best self to the challenges at hand I think that's a great reminder that if something is making you feel anxious or unpleasant, that if you can remove yourself from it, go ahead and do it. There's been many times where I'll be either reading something online or watching TV like that. And after, I mean, admittedly, sometimes it's after many minutes. Uh, it should be after like a minute, but uh, I'm just like, why am I, why am I looking at this? Like, this isn't providing me any comfort. This is just, I could be going to bed or like taking a walk or doing anything else that's more productive. And uh, when I have that realization to make that switch, I do find just more positive positivity just coursing through my veins. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it's easy just to sit there scrolling along your phone news feeds, isn't it, on your smartphone? You know, you just sit there sort of just scrolling along. And, and often we sort of get into this almost numb sort of catatonic state. But right now, when or any time, I think when we're dealing with a challenge, something that's 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 dialing up our fear in some way or our self doubt in some way, and yes, it may be you know the the big global what interruptions going on, or it might be just challenges at work, challenges with someone in your family. Um, I think it's those times when we really feel more pressure on us that we actually have to be that much more deliberate in how we're going about our days. And, you know, so for me, for instance, writing in my journal, I find that an incredibly helpful way to process my emotions and to reframe the situation I'm in, in a, in a positive way that leaves me feeling empowered and optimistic. And yeah, I've got this, I can figure this out. I'll get through this. And what's a way for me to turn it into a win. So you might even say that having self-doubt can be beneficial in some circumstances because of that ability to turn it around. 
Yeah, look, all of us have the ability to rise above our doubts and and I wouldn't do the work that I do if if it wasn't for the doubts that I've had. So in that way, so, you know, if I never, ever had a moment's hesitation and never doubted myself, I certainly wouldn't be doing the work I am because, you know, it's it's in having to overcome that myself that I have felt so passionate and called to help other people do the same because I see how much it can hold us back. And I think that's where it's important sometimes, you know, to to just recognize doubt is just part and parcel of being human. Um, maybe if you've got a little voice in your head and most of us do give it a name, uh, you know, yep, there you go again, you know, Debbie Downer, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to pull me down and keep me from putting myself out there and doing what feels most truthful to me. And so, you know, part of what I wanted to make sure I included in my book, you've got this were, you know, taking tools from, we know are, are, that work for people through psychology that actually help people too reclaim the power that we so often give to our fears and our doubts. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. And you mentioned how you've kind of encountered this along the way. And I think you do have a pretty fascinating story with all of your world travels, as you mentioned, raising four children. So can you just kind of talk a little bit about your background and how it's gotten you (laughs) to where you are today? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up big sister of seven kids um, on a small dairy farm in rural southeastern Australia. Um, And so my dad milked cows for nearly 50 years. My mom, you know, just raised us kids. And so growing up, honestly, my horizons extended not much further than the back paddock of our farm and which was 200 acres. And, uh, you know, we didn't travel very far. There wasn't very much money. It was a pretty simple childhood. But as I was finishing high school and I just had a feeling, I just thought there's a whole lot more world out there that I know is waiting to be explored. And I don't want to spend my life living in as lovely as the rural area is. It's a beautiful area um, in, in East Gippsland of Australia. But I thought, I just, I don't want to spend my life here. I feel like there's a whole lot more. And so I went, moved to Melbourne and went to university and I was the first in my family to ever go to university, which in itself for me was sort of defying the norms and the expectations of, you know, that others had. It was, my parents wouldn't have thought twice if I'd left school early and become a hairdresser or, you know, done something that wasn't, wasn't as, um, as ambitious as what I've ultimately done. And then after finishing college, I, I worked hard at a couple of jobs and with some traveler's checks, got a backpack and traveled around the world for a year on my own at 21. And, you know, the, I guess the story continues from there with eventually meeting my husband. We've lived in four countries around the world. We've had four children, um, several of which are now at college in the United States. And, and so, yeah, I, I've had, I've, I've, I've continually stepped outside my comfort zone and chosen the path of um, curiosity and adventure and what is it that inspired me over what sort of felt safe and secure. And so along the way, what I've learned is that most of us are capable of a lot more than we think. And we so often sell ourselves short by thinking we can't do things when in fact we actually can do them. It's just our own false belief and our fears that hem our lives in. Okay. I want to, I want to continue down that path, but I do have to ask because 
you had mentioned that you're, this is a very, very side tangent, I am going to warn you, (laughs) but you mentioned that your father uh, milked cows for 50 years. And I remember meeting someone that lived on a farm one time who said that the best activity on a farm was milking cows. He found it very soothing. Is that true or is this guy just crazy? Uh, look, I, I think if you were only doing it every now and again, maybe, but uh, I, I think my father probably got pretty tired of it. And I know, you know, as us kids, we would go and help every now and again. Of course, there was, we would put these, you know, like the cups on these, on the cow's udders so that you didn't actually do it. We weren't doing it with our own fingers, uh, our own hands. So, but I think there's probably something to that. But I think if you had to do it every morning and night for most of your, pretty much all your working life, you'd probably go, yeah, okay, I could, <laughs> it's not something that I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. I just, I just had it now. I, <laughs> I have no experience with it. So anytime I meet someone, that's for some reason that has stuck with me, even though that was a conversation probably seven or eight years ago now. Uh, but getting back to the more important message here is that you can do do things that maybe you thought you couldn't. And I think what you've done in traveling around the world and getting to see all these cool sites, which we will get to some of your favorites a little later in the podcast, but getting to do all this uh, is, is certainly a dream for a lot of people and getting to travel and see the world or follow whatever passion they have. Um, but especially nowadays, it seems like jobs just change very rapidly. Uh, Gone are the days of working 50 years in the same profession. You know, you're hopping from job to job, sometimes from industry to industry. So is there any kind of future proofing you need to do for your career or uh, methods that people can use uh, to achieve these kind of passions or travel or whatever they want to do when they think that maybe they can't do it? Yeah, I think that when there's lots of things I think we can be doing to help future proof our careers. And I, I like to think of it as just focusing in on, you know, the value that you have to bring for others, you know, your ability to solve problems and to meet needs. And how can we continually be ensuring that we're well positioned and even our own, how, how other people perceive us in our ability to solve problems and meet needs, you know, in, in whatever area that we might be working with, you know, some people are they're in technology and they're drawing on a strength because they're great at coding or they're great at systems analysis or whatever it is. And I think just, just be looking at what can you do for yourself that, in, that, that ups the ante on your, on your ability to help other people be more successful. Um, and that is solving problems and, and and meeting needs in some way, shape or form. And so be really conscious. I think as we go through our careers, we can never be complacent on that. Um, I think we also need to be really proactive in building strong networks and surrounding ourselves with people who lift us up and avoiding and minimizing time with those who don't. And if you're in a place where you're feeling pulled down all the time, doing something about that, because we're never able, we, we can't thrive when we're not in an environment that's drawing on our strengths and helping us feel a greater sense of purpose and, and appreciate valued in what we're doing too. Um, and of course, just, you know, obviously to back to the theme of you've got this, um, trusting in our talents and our strengths. I have a whole chapter on that because I think often we second guess our strengths and talents and we don't trust that actually this thing that I, I really love to do, I feel called to do is, is something that we, we can do. 
but often we can get a bit stuck in the think the way we think we're going to do it. And so I know for me, for instance, um, I love connecting with people. I love empowering people. I love helping people get present to the price they're paying for the choices they're making. Um, some people do that, uh, through technology, sort of they come up with with apps that are really empowering. Some people, I'm not a I'm not a technologist, um, but but I, I'm great at speaking. I'm great at um, connecting with people in person and through my words. Some people are brilliant one on one coaches. Um, some people run seminars. So I just think whatever it is you're doing, think about how you can do that in the most impactful way that others will value the most. How can you draw on your strengths and your ability to connect and and add value? I think that's great. And I really like the note of building up your network as well. And I've seen so many times where I'll meet someone in, in not even necessarily a networking environment. Uh, I believe I've told this story on a previous podcast, but uh, hopefully it's not too repetitive to listeners of this podcast. Uh, that I just happened to be walking by a house here in Austin during South by Southwest that had a sort of breakfast and live music event going on. And I just was walking by and heard the music and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of good. I'll, I'll go check on and see what this is about and ended up meeting someone that a year and a half later reached out to me and uh, asked if I wanted to contribute um, some written content to uh, the company that she was working for. So a lot of different uh, content marketing kind of stuff. And this was like I said, a year and a half after meeting her, um, but we had just made, you know, that strong connection and stayed in touch. And then when the opportunity was there, she was like, hey, Joey's a good person for this. And to this day, I'm still working with the company. So you never know when opportunity can strike. And so building those relationships, and I think it's key to state that you're not immediately selling too. like you want to build an actual relationship you don't want to come yeah. on too strong and say hey i'm the perfect person for this it's like, yeah no, let's get to know each other first yeah i mean no no one likes to be sold to unless they're in a unless they've walked into a shop and they actually want to be sold to but even then <laughs> I, and even then we don't want to be sold to but um you know we, we want to think people are genuine in connecting and building that relationship. And I mean, as I shared with you, I've lived in lots of places around the world. And I remember moving to Dallas, Texas, just after 9-11. And I had three little kids. I, had, I didn't know anyone for 10,000 miles. And then I decided after about two years to launch a, a business there, my coaching business. Well, you know, I was all about having to go out and meet people and make connections. And I've had to do that now in multiple continents because I've continued living around the world. And, you know, the power of relationship, of forming genuine relationships when people know that, you know, you're a real person and you're not just there to try and get something from them, but you're there to give as well, genuinely give. How can I, what can I do to support and, um, get to know this person, you know, that can come across. We have a, we have an inbuilt BS detector and I think we can tell when people are disingenuous. I like that a, a built in BS detector. Cause yeah, there are definitely times where I'm just like, this person is not, not being truthful right now. Exactly. And I wanted to talk a little bit as well, because you have uh, such great insight into kind of wellness and personal growth and wanted to touch on a few of uh, the topics that you're, you're well-versed in. Uh, and one of them that is intriguing to me is the power of habits. So can you talk a little bit about 
A, the power of habits and B, how you can go about building habits that'll be helpful in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I've heard it said that first we make our habits and then our habits make us. And it's the little things we do every day that very few people might actually see that actually set us up to create the bigger results of our lives that, that sometimes other people want. They're like, Oh, how, how can I have what you've got? And you know, it's, it starts with the little things like how we start our day, the little, the small things, taking some time to set our priorities for the day, taking some time out to reconnect with what gives us a sense of purpose, um, exercising, keeping our bodies healthy and fit and strong. And gee, right now with everything going on, I mean, I'm just doubling down on those things. You know, how do I make sure that my immune system and, and, and my whole state is feeling as strong as it can? So the little things that we do can make such a big impact. And so to anyone who's not feeling powerful and positive and purposeful in your life, take a look at what are, the, what are some of the small things you could do that when you do them, you feel better about yourself and invest more time in those things. I think that's, that's such a good mindset to have. And, and another uh, sort of note that I think you convey nicely is the act of practicing gratitude as well. Because when good things do happen, a lot of the times it's because of someone else helping out as well. It's not always just a, you know, one person doing everything. It's because of the connections that we have in our lives. And I, I think sharing that gratitude with other people can be very rewarding as well. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and I think that our relationships, I mean, we're at our best when we're in relationship with other people, right? You know, success in life, thriving in life, isn't something we can just do on our own in a vacuum. And so making sure people around us feel appreciated and being really intentional in the people that we invest time with. I think sometimes we can, by default, almost out of habit, just hang out with people who aren't bringing out our best. Maybe they're really negative. They're always complaining. They're really cynical. They're constantly waiting for the sky to fall in. You know, those people may have served us at some point in our lives, but just be careful about spending too much time with people who's with the conversations you're having aren't leaving you walking away feeling better about yourself and braver in how you're dealing with your life. And I think that's something that's maybe not always obvious right away. It's just an overtime. Um, Cause I've, I've certainly had relationships like that where I'm just like, I'm so drained after interacting with this person. And after that happens a few times, I'm like, you know what? No, there's, there's better people out there to, to spend time with. So totally agree. And as promised, for, for the top three, which I like to do uh, towards the end of every episode, I would love to hear about some of the travels that you have because as a, a frequent traveler myself, I always love learning about new places. And I know a lot of my audience is super into traveling and seeing new parts of the world. So if you had to pick of all the places that you've either lived or been to a top three, and if you can give a one must-see attraction in each one, what would they be? Ooh, well, I actually loved Nepal. Um, so what's a must-see attraction there? Just, just <laughs> being in the Himalayas uh, and just um, 
that is something that I found just really majestic and soul stirring and in the people are beautiful and the culture is rich. And of course there's enormous poverty there, but that's a, a culture that's so rich and incredible to experience. Um, I, uh, in terms of places I've been to that are extraordinary, to be honest, the Grand Canyon in your own backyard Ooh. is one of, I believe is one of the most extraordinary uh, places geographic, like, physically to be in the world and to anyone who lives in the united states if you haven't been to the grand canyon um i would get yourself there and i know there's various there's bryce canyon there's other canyons but um that's the one i've been to and i have i found it just an incredible experience i actually hiked to the bottom with some friends and we slept on the floor overnight and hiked back up the next day and then i i was i was so sore i couldn't walk for days but um that was pretty (laughs) amazing um uh, you know, look, there's a, I've been to a lot of places as, as, as you probably would have read in my bio, I've crossed the Sahara desert and I've hiked the Inca trail and I've lived in Papua New Guinea and, um, hiked Kilimanjaro. I, there's so many places that I've been to, um, in the Amazon Galapagos. I, it's hard to narrow it down. To be honest, I think our world is so filled with beauty. And so whether it's nature's beauty, but also, cultures um a little town called otavalo in ecuador that i i went to where they have this extraordinary market and all the indigenous people come come down to this market on a friday and i think it's just extraordinary place to go to and soak in just just cultures that can be so very different from our own and i actually think there is so much it's such an enriching thing for us to experience cultures that are different from the culture that we come from ourselves I agree. I, I really like that you said that. I was interviewing a, a friend of mine, but similarly was kind of traveling all around the world and getting her tips on travel. And she said that anytime she goes into a new city, her favorite places are the subway and the grocery store because she gets to see how the culture and, and how people just interact just in their daily lives. And she says that's like the best way to get a sense of uh, just what a town is like and seeing you know, seeing what's the most popular thing in a grocery store. It might be a knockoff of Frosted Cheerios or something, or it might be something completely new. And she just finds it fascinating just to, to kind of people watch and embrace uh, the culture by hopping right into it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's obviously it's very easy to kind of get pulled into our sort of almost default, <laughs> um, you know, our own little comfortable world. I know that I do too, but I think that's where it's so good to just sometimes get out of our, get out of that little cocoon that we're living in and get out there and just, just put yourself in different places. And it helps reframe sometimes your own problems and see things through a whole new lens. Absolutely. And I do have to ask for the Grand Canyon, what part was more difficult, the climbing down or climbing up? To be honest with you, I found definitely more difficult climbing up. And I know that some people who've got bung knees, then going down is hard. But I was how old? I was 21. So, you know, my knees were just fine. But getting up the next day, oh, my goodness. You know, my, my, my cardio fitness, it was put to the test. <laughs> and I also imagine sleeping on uh, the ground probably doesn't help that much either. Um, but well worth it. <laughs> I think back then I, it didn't hurt me as much as it would now. <laughs> I know I, I always think of like extreme hiking trips that I've done in the past and think about it now or think about other people you mentioned the Inca Trail there were folks on that that were in their I think the oldest was in his late 50s and I 
especially at, at heights like that, it's a good idea to get acclimated a day or two before. And I, I know at least one uh, older gentleman on our group was had arrived like six hours before uh, we started making the trek up the mountain and immediately got altitude sickness. And just at the time, I mean, I was probably half his age and I was just like, ah, like that's rough. And now thinking about it, I was like, that, that's really bad. Like that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I love seeing people who are, um, older in years getting on and doing stuff like that. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I, I'd, I'd like to think I'm still hiking when I'm in my eighties, you know, I, I love hiking in nature and I think age so much of it, we can make ourselves old long before our time by, by living old. And the more active you are and the more adventurous you are and the more curious you are, I, I really believe it adds so much life to the living in those decades of life that a lot of people kind of close down and just sit around waiting to die. I'm like, don't do it. Get out there, be active, take ownership of your whole experience of life, including your last few decades. Yes. He was, he was miserable the first couple of days, but after that he was, he was probably had more energy than any of us. So totally agree. Well, Margie, thank you so much. This has just flown by. If people want to connect with you online or find your book and read it, which they, I highly recommend people do, where can they find you? I would encourage people to head over to my website, which is margie.com. I say it with a hard G. And they can obviously pick up my book, You've Got This, on Amazon and wherever good books are sold. But um, I would just encourage people pop over to my website and, and have a, have a look around. I've got lots of videos. I have my own live brave podcast. I've, I've, you've got, this is my fifth book. And so all the information they might want and include an ability to sign up for my live bravely newsletter is all on margieworrell.com. Well, Margie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This was great. Yeah, absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we got to talk, Joey. Yes. And of course I always have to end with a, corny joke and so let's do let's do a topical one where does a cow stay when it's on vacation a motel get after it today people <laughs> oh, that's good all right well look take care joey <laughs> thanks margie appreciate it <laughs>